So which podcast did you listen to anyway? Well, it was the man bun episode. Oh, was it? It's because you were talking about man buns. I was like, oh, I love man buns. And then you hate man buns. Fucking hate them. I know. <laughs> it was great. And then I listened to that episode and a bunch of other episodes oh, that's too. Funny. Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. you hate man buns or you hate man buns? I do. I, I love them. man buns. Do you know me? I was going to say, yeah. right? I, I don't understand the whole, um, if a guy seems like over preening, I, I don't respect that. But, but it doesn't seem like those man buns are preened. They seem like messy and gross. Yeah, but it's so calculated. It's like a calculated messy and gross. That's what I don't like about it. I'm not. Are you just Some talking about guys' butts in general, buns. or is it guys whose butts are hanging buns. out? Or? Buns. Buns. Oh. Man buns, like hair buns. When like guys oh. have long hair and they put yeah. it in See, a okay, bun. Well, I thought you said, well, I thought when you were saying buns, you meant like butts. No. No. Okay. No, no, no. No, it's a specific term. Oh, you like guys with buns on their head? Ugh. Yeah. What the hell? What is that for? Fuck those dudes. Who does oh, that? wow. Haterade already. That's unless fine. You're, unless you're like a Shaolin book, you can't get away with it. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? If this, if this podcast had more girls, Girls, all the girls would stand with me, as GJ pointed out. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've I've spoken at length on this topic. All right, cool. well then we'll leave that for you, your show. <laughs> um, you're making a mistake. That's what you're going to be saying to yourself in a few hours. You're making a mistake because after you listen to today's spellbinding show about Fargo season one, episodes four through six, with Jackie and GJ Ecktonkamp, the rest of 2015 will be an enormous letdown in comparison. JFIO presents. What are you kidding? We got us a family here. This ain't no cool, huh? Okay, I'm not gonna sit here and debate. I'll show you my life on my mind. You will find a fortune. Who would not be the fortune you seek? I suppose you think you're raised hell. When I'm raised hell, you'll know it. Something is very wrong. I don't want Santana Abraxas. I've just been in a terrible auto accident. What's the most you ever lost in the coin toss? Sometimes knowledge is Accept the Mystery, the Coen Brothers podcast. Man, I went a long way to make that intro quote work, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad you did too. I think it totally works. That is one of my favorite quotes. You're making a mistake. He's so chilling when he says that. I know. Uh, He's not chilling though. BBT. Yeah, perfect. This is the first Accept the Mystery 2015. We're back. We're here. My name is Josh Richmond, and this is the show called Accept the Mystery, where we go through every single Coen Brothers movie and TV shows based on Coen Brothers movies <laughs> in a ridiculous, extreme, excruciating, absurd levels of detail. My name is Josh Richmond. I already said that. <laughs> Jackie. I haven't said your name yet, so I'm going to say Please. it twice. Jackie Lechtold Zay. Jackie Lechtold Zay. Mm, Thank hello. you for being my co host and being on the show once You're again. You're welcome. <laughs> No, thanks for having me, Josh. Uh, it's great to be back. It is good. Do you have a good? Did you have a good holiday break? Yeah, I did. It was so relaxed, for once ever. It was good. Yeah, no was, details. Even it was just chill. No, it was ridiculously relaxing for me. I almost, I almost always have like something I've got to do, but this time I had nothing to do. Yeah, it was great. I almost, I almost feel like I was like a bear in hibernation for two weeks. Yeah, and now I'm slowly emerging from that fog. And you're excited for Monday, like all people. Oh, I'm thrilled. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. You know who else is excited for Monday, I bet, is our guest. He is the co-host of the Bionic Broadcast podcast. He is the director of the documentary Frank and Cindy, soon to be a feature, featuring one of the stars of Fargo, the TV show. I see what's going on here. Oh, <laughs> I see whoa. what you did there. I didn't welcome, even realize that. Welcome, uh, G.J. Camp to the show. Hi, how's it going? That's pretty cool. So, was that factoring into your head when you saw you're doing the Fargo show? You're like, I know one of these guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just weird, you know, because... Um, you know i did this documentary frank and cindy about my parents and so it's been odd because doing the remake 
there was actors playing my parents. So Oliver Platt <laughs> plays my stepfather. <laughs> and it's just weird because, you know, we reenacted all these scenes from my life in my parents' house with these actors. And so it's hard for me now to separate him from... Frank, when you imagine, when you yeah, when you imagine your mom and stepfather down your head, do you see uh, like Oliver Platt? It's like a weird (laughs) Janice head with like Renee Russo and my mom, and then Oliver Platt and and Frank. Um, And the character he plays in this is actually very similar to Frank uh, in a lot of ways. Oh, it's a similar kind of like like a religious believer or a supermarket owner, but it's kind of like the bathrobes and the accent and the kind of slovenly sort of you know. Oliver Oliver Platt plays slovenly a lot. Yeah, he does. He's uh-huh. really he's really good at it. Yeah, my actually my favorite Oliver Platt role to the date, and my, my old roommate and I would have a running joke about it. Was in the movie 2012. Did you ever see 2012? No, no. It's a it's a it's actually a really underrated movie. It's a great disaster movie if you're looking for a disaster movie. But Oliver <laughs> Platt is in the movie as like the villain. The villain of the movie is the guy who's basically trying to save a small part of humanity while John Cusack is like, no, we should be opening the doors to the big spaceships that are saving the humans and let everybody in. And which is obviously wouldn't work. Oliver Platt is the voice of reason of the movie, but he's also like the de- like being demonized. Right. Mm. So, well, is he only trying to save the rich people or something? I mean, that was like the, that was to, not to spoil 2012, but basically the plan no, they came you up can spoil with. It. Oh, yeah. Is after like a whole bunch of earthquakes rock, rock the world, it looks like apocalypse is going to happen to everybody. Uh, the rich have built a bunch of spaceships for the elite to take off and leave the planet, and Oliver Platt is like in charge of that program. You know, I don't want to be on those spaceships anyway. I'd rather just die with the planet, frankly. Be a spaceship for god knows how long with a bunch of rich people fuck that <laughs> i mean it's i mean but you know, you're like hey, you're on a spaceship for the rest of your life what, what? for the rest of your life it was no it was like for a short period of time until the floods under settled back oh, down they were gonna, they were gonna like down. fight africa or something like oh that. Well, then you just want to bring a bunch of architects and construction right workers, people who can right? rebuild the world. <laughs> useful people well yeah. yeah you bring the elite and the elite are the rich so you're bringing the right people nah, in theory not really they don't have no. skills that's the problem yeah. i think that's jj's point <laughs> i mean on the other hand what would you would you just pick a lottery otherwise no i would pick jobs people certain actual skills is what i I would do if i was in charge infrastructure and i probably wouldn't be on that list i would make the list and then <laughs> and i'd be like, like well bye. you guys have fun and even then you're like you know what frank gary you can you can be on the list this other architect who builds like mini malls you can't be and even then you've got to make a but who's decisions. the guy that does those things where they look like it's like metal that was under a heat lamp and got all like Mah. Is frank, frank gary, gary? now frank he frank can't gary. come <laughs> he built my law school hey. yeah he can, re- he can rebuild the world nope. out of like no nope. he's done metal. he's done enough He's done enough. We don't want his imprint anymore. But basically, the point I was making was just everything Oliver Platt says in that movie is basically right. If you see the movie, he's right about everything. And right. pe- every time he says anything, people just say, boo, <laughs> you oh. suck, Oliver Platt. <laughs> so now I just think of him as like getting shit on constantly. And he, gets, he actually gets shit on a little bit of this show, too. It's pretty oh, sad. just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit, oh, which we'll, we will uh, get to. Um, before we get to our next segment, I actually just wanted to ask one other thing. Were you in the movie Food Fight? Yeah. Did you play you played Mr. Clipboard in Food That's Fight? That's right. That's amazing. <laughs> Why would you even know about Food Fight? Because I'm a listener to shows like The Flop House and I know about like classic bad movies and that's a, it's a classic <laughs> bad movie. Yeah. How do, you, how do you feel to be a part of something like that? It's just my life. Everything I get involved with turns to shit. It's just how it no. goes. Yeah. Oh. No, but it's more, than, it's more than just being in some like, run-of-the-mill bad movie. It's like, it's, that's, like a, bad movie. that's like a classic bad movie. That's something to be proud of. Well, no, I mean, it was super disappointing for me because it was a motion capture job. And what it was was I was going to be the, I was the, the body for a character voiced by Christopher Lloyd. Right. That's his name, right? Yeah. Okay. So I thought that was I thought that was really cool and I I really thought that doing like this would be my, 
you know, entrance into the world of motion capture, which I thought I'd be really good at, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I feel like I could be like Andy Circus. I could do that. And so I got to be this really cool character, I thought, which was going to be uh, a, ro- a malfunctioning robot being controlled by a little person. No, I could see how that's cool. Like, yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if, if you're into things like physical comedy or clowning or just being able to make a whole character just with your body. Right. Movement. And yeah. I got to put on the suit with the little mm. balls and go on the stage. Oh, I want to wear those suits. I, I, didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know going into it, it was going to be some, like, nightmare production that would drag on for 10 years and cost billions of dollars. I just thought, like, ooh, this is maybe going to be a new thing for me. I could make my doing this and then it just yeah like then it turned to nothing uh, i worked so hard on that by the way the physicality of that it was so exhausting for me doing that because the character was so crazy that when it was over i went to the parking lot and got in my car and puked oh, oh my wow. god that's how ex- that's how oh my intense god. You, it was you gave, like, you gave like your whole body what an and soul to body and soul the food fight yeah. <laughs> Dang. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. so like okay so if when you're watching that movie and getting high and laughing with your friends just remember that people put a lot of into this movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for your amusement. Yeah. Oh my god, um, so great. But you, use, but you can use that. I'd say don't give up on your, your mocap dreams. Because <laughs> there's going to be, there's room for more than one Andy Circus out there. Andy Circus can't do all the Andy You can't Circus do all the, the world, right? apes in the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so great. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get into our first segment of this show. This is where we ask our guests questions loosely inspired by the movie or TV show of the week. It's a segment called Inside GJ Eckert Camp. <laughs> So, this group of three episodes that we watched, we watched episodes four through six of the TV show Fargo, the first season. And it starts out, the first episode we watched starts out with uh, young Stavros Milos finds a suitcase full of money that was buried by uh, Carl Showalter back in the actual movie Fargo. Pretty cool tying all the strands oh, together. I, I, didn't so re- I, didn't, I didn't put that together. Oh, man. I, I was so seen, excited when it's happening. I, it's, I saw Fargo earlier this year, the, the movie, and I, I just forgot. So it's, and you hate it. I don't like the movie Fargo at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> Is that confusion? <laughs> I because it's all, every you know we talk about a lot of these movies and a lot of these movies are divisive, but Fargo seems to be the one that everybody agrees is great. Yeah, well, they're you, wrong. GJ's a hater. This is why it's great. This is like my I'm not a thing. hater. You are I am in a critical. good way. I am in a, a good critical way. person. When but I say being... hater, I mean that as a compliment because on this show, so many people, like so many of our guests are like, um, is this podcast about like trying to convince you that this movie's good? Because I also am very critical. So I yeah. respect that. Right. I'm, so very, you know. I'm very critical. But Although I'm surprised because I think Fargo's great yeah. and I hate a lot of things. I don't even so. think of that as a as like an ambitious but flawed movie. I think of that as just a great movie start well, to finish. Can, Nothing's wrong can, with it. We can get into that later. All right. Well, I don't want to I'll mess sit- up your segment here. <laughs> Please, thank you. Thank you for not interfering with my flow. We will get into that, believe you me. Um, all I was going to ask was based on that, have you ever felt like God has directly answered your prayers? Have you ever prayed to God and felt like he actually like answered you? No, but I do feel like God has made um, a very distinct point to make a mockery of me. Oh, wow. I'll tell you. You want to hear a yeah. little mini story? Yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> when I was in, uh, this is a perfect example. When I was in college, I was obsessed with this girl who was a schizophrenic, and she was bonkers. And I was at that age where that was really hot to me and really alluring, and mm. I hadn't hadn't had enough crazy right. yet. To, we're crazy. Like, we're crazy equals passion. <laughs> yeah, she's full of life. Yeah, and I was <laughs> I was obsessed with this girl, and she would come to my room. We never did anything. She was like this weird, like she talked like this, and she would glue. 
glued leaves to her body and like she was super <laughs> carried around rocks and talked to trees and nothing ever happened but I was like obsessed with her and I really wanted her to like love me but and she was constantly coming into my room and hanging out with me and holding my hand but nothing ever happened she was always saying it wasn't in her path to have a relationship <laughs> Wow. Which I graduated. She ended up like dropping, getting kicked out of school for being too crazy. And I was Aww. obsessed with her. And she finally like wrote me a letter saying she'd fallen madly in love with this guy. And I was like, God damn it. I thought what? it wasn't in your path. <laughs> right. So I was super depressed. And I didn't leave the house for weeks. And I went out to a club. My friend dragged me to some dance club and was like hey you got to get out of the house while i'm there i see some girl comes up to me she says what's your uh wait you look familiar did you go to bard and i go yeah i went to bard and she's like oh and then she says to me did you know john duvernoy and i said who and she's like you know the guy who uh was you know who who the girl like just mentioned the girl's right. name and was like the, the guy who she's in love with this girl and i said why are you coming up to me right now <laughs> wow. talking about this girl and this guy and how they're a couple and i don't even know you and we didn't even talk about anything else and then uh. she's like she's like well what were you like in love with her or something because you know if you knew john you would realize he's like the coolest handsomest most talented <laughs> best dressed person on the planet and if you knew him you would be like of course she's not into me and she's into him because right. he is who, who, so who, who much and I was like really I leave the house for the first time in two weeks and this woman comes up to me and starts telling me this for no reason okay that's that is, crazy it's, I mean it's nothing there's nothing wrong with you you're good it's just this guy if you had seen this guy if you guy. had met this guy and the thing is I hadn't met him so I didn't even know what I was up against oh, I didn't God, even know he existed right. whoa and I was like that was when I was like okay god this is a funny one you got me on this one this Ooh. was good 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 one but counterpoint are you sure you want to be like the schizophrenic girl's guy no right. no so maybe at the end of the day no. you're good it's got it's mockery good. or not i'm just saying you know it's you're good it's could be, you could think of it as god practicing tough love you know That's Sh right. shaking you out of this no, well, you got you got to get over this crazy girl she's not good for you I mean, that is kind of almost how i felt because i had a laugh about it i yeah. was just like ha 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 and that is kind of like and that is one of the ways i do relate to coen brothers movies to some degree is it i i sort of do have that I do believe that it's like terrible things happen in the world and they're funny. Yeah. That's basically my outlook. So it's that is, that is a, a huge part of their moral, moral philosophy is, yeah. you know, bad things happen in the world, but the best answer you have is just to receive it with simplicity and laugh it off. And yeah, yeah, you got to try. <laughs> yeah. As Colin Hanks, as Colin Hanks, the said, world's most mediocre man. Oh God. <laughs> oh, I, I feel, well said. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, he's so, Actually, but he's such a nice guy. But now he's worse than mediocre because of the whole Molly thing. What about like shooting right. her? No, he's like he's like a criminally incompetent. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. In the show, he is. He's right. criminally yeah. incompetent. He yeah. is the, Colin he Hanks is. himself is not. No, yeah. I know. But, but, I but, but, Tom, but Tom Hanks is like other kid is. Did, wasn't he like? Wasn't one of his other kids like arrested for like? Drug use and criminal like misanthropy oh, or something like that. I don't, I don't know. know. Am I making that up? I don't, don't want to hear anything bad Hanks about anything kid. Tom Hanks related. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> TJ's limits. <laughs> but I have. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm never. I'm almost never a person who would actually directly talk to God because I don't think God actually. First, I don't. I don't even know if God actually listens to people. If he does exist, and if he does, I don't think he's usually in the habit of actually answering people's. Well, prayers. if he did, everyone would be happy, and right. nobody is. Yeah. And that's and it's just a, it's impossible to make that work. It's impossible for everybody under. And any time I've ever prayed to God for something to happen to me, I've oh, it's always been completely selfish. And I don't. I don't understand why. Like, it's like, please, can I get into Sundance this year? Uh, oh. <laughs> right. Can I please well, yeah. have sex with her one more time. Like, I, 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 have you ever, would you ever sincerely pray to God? Like, please. 
things and the fighting in Afghanistan. No, you know, not yeah. well. I mean, unless you know, unless you do yeah, something in Afghanistan. Son was there or something. Yeah, but. right. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's okay. Maybe when people pray for other, like if your friend has cancer or something, and you're yeah. like, you know, maybe that's yeah. sort of noble. But still. But even then, you're doing it because you don't want to lose a friend. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, but... At the end of the day, everybody's got selfish reasons. Yeah. That's your, I like how that's your conclusion. It's all selfish anyway. Well, that's, yeah. that's the philosophy of Hume. It, yeah, or, or Adam Smith. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I, I, do, I, I do have a strong memory of actually seventh grade and me being in, incredibly shy trying to talk to girls and having a girl I really liked and thinking about asking her out and then losing my nerve every, every time. And this going on for actually a couple of days and then me actually talking to God one time and saying, you know, if this, uh, I know I've got, I know I promised myself I would actually talk to this girl and actually like ask her to do, go to a movie or something today and I've lost my nerve the entire day. There's one more period left. If I happen to run into her before everybody leaves for the day, God, if you put her into my path, I will do this thing. I promise. Uh-huh. And then one minute later, she just walked around the corner. And did you? And I did. <laughs> and she said yes. And then uh, we went on one date, and it was awkward, and she broke my heart. But <laughs> but it's still, I, but God still like legitimately answered my prayers. I used to moment. make hmm. deals with God as a kid, and I they, think I did too. But, but I don't they were always them. bargains. It was like right. it was like I was constantly. Um, uh-huh. I was constantly, uh, okay, I'm going to be honest here. I was constantly making uh, bargains that involved the sacrifice that I was going to make was going to be I would never jerk off again. Oh, my God. so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's so funny because that's such a kid thing because you think it's so bad when you're a kid. Yeah. (laughs) When you're a kid, you think it's like the most immoral thing ever. (laughs) Right. I I thought I was a pervert. I thought I was a disgusting pervert. As you're doing it, like, God, I know you're watching me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Last time. Last time ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh god it's so good yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but I, I mean it's unrealistic to jack off forever but you can say like no jack it off for a week that feels like a, bar- a solid bargain to make well, uh-huh. would, i mean the fact that god would care well the, god, thank you thank, i really appreciate that <laughs> yeah. you know what it doesn't it now doesn't mean, to heaven it doesn't mean anything to me but i appreciate that you're trying to sacrifice something something okay right? but yeah. i have a question because you guys didn't really grow up in like religious homes right no. so like where does not, every, not, really, not really why does every kid have the idea that jerking off is bad Mm, because I think it feels dirty. I think the but it just it like innately feels. I think dirty it innately then, right? feels Isn't dirty. That so weird though. At first, because you don't understand sexuality and sexuality is yeah. still creepy t- to a large degree. I mean, yeah, I guess. I did, but it's so interesting that it's like innately seems like it's wrong, even I did, though you weren't like. Well, okay, I'll give you an I, example. Even if okay. you weren't like taught sure. that it was wrong. If I saw people boning on TV, or if some if, if a porn popped up when I was ten, I would have been like, oh god. Yeah. Right? So it wasn't like sex is hot. I was like, sex Ew, is gross. naked ladies. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's like, true. I'm like, oh, sex is gross. But yeah. then I'm doing it to myself and I'm like, this is gross. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was never in a household where I was taught like masturbation is immoral right. or don't do it. But I was definitely told to like, you know, keep your hands off your privates. Cause that, oh, interesting. Cause that, um, because I, like my parents, talk about embarrassing stories, my parents would tell stories about how when I was three years old and I would sit there like reading a picture book in one hand and like my hands just on my balls in the other. I think that's kind of normal for kids. It is. It like, is I think. Yeah. yeah. No, that's the thing. It is normal. But it's for, annoying that your parents would talk about it yeah. as though it's like so funny. All, right. <laughs> All kids but it, go through that phase. It I is. Think. It yeah. is normal for kids, but it's also normal for parents to say, "Look, don't do that because it's inappropriate in a public place to be doing that." Right. But still, that's where kids so. kids learn the link even there at that early mm-hmm. age. Oh yeah, like, I guess that's. But true. also, other kids bad. always denied it so vehemently. Like that's, I think yeah. we were all more honest with each other. If yeah. if kids have been like, "Oh yeah, everyone does that," but instead it was like, "Ew, I bet you do that." That's gross. 
Why do we all shave each other, guys? I know. Yeah. We just we need to f- love no, each other. When more. I was like, when I was like 15, and a friend of mine was like, "Yeah, of course they jerk off." I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Oh my god, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like everybody does. You're not alone. <laughs> like everybody does. Oh shit. It's so funny. I, I mean, okay, I don't. I don't want to start getting into stories about being in middle school and, and all my friends learning about jacking off. But, <laughs> all right. But I Fargo. But okay. I, I will just say real quick that I do remember. Uh, um, having a like having a conversation like with, at Thanksgiving with a couple of my friends from middle school, where they and one of them said, "Hey, have you guys tried jacking off yet?" And the other one said, "Really? Yeah, I have too. I didn't know you were. Isn't it cool? <laughs> yeah, it's so cool." Oh and then like look, going on online and looking at like pictures of girls and being like, "Yeah, I would jack off to her. Yeah, totally." Wow, the internet didn't exist when I was in middle school. <laughs> it had just barely begun to yeah, exist. Yeah, no, it did, I missed that completely. Yeah. Jeez, that would have messed me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, I guess we have time for one other uh, question. <laughs> All right. So every one of these uh, episode titles in Fargo the TV show references either like a Zen koan or a brain teaser, and right. logic puzzles and stuff are like a big deal in uh, this show. Do you have like a favorite logic puzzle or brain teaser? Oh, you mean like... The cat, I mean, the, the, the bale of hay, the chicken, yeah, and the it's fox. Yeah, like the bale of hay and the chicken and the fox, <laughs> weird shit like that. <laughs> Who had a, well, give me an example of a favorite brand. I will give you one. Okay. I'm glad you asked. I guess I was prepared If for a this. tree falls in the woods. I mean. Well, that, I, well, I mean, that's that one's one of those unsolvable ones. <clears throat> like, does it make a sound? Although it does make a sound, right? It does. Yeah. It makes a measurable sound. Yeah. Like, if you, ha- if you had... What's your favorite brain teaser? <laughs> Because I was looking up some uh, some brain teasers today, doing some research, and some of the and some of them are interesting, and some of them are just dumb. This is like a this is a famous brain teaser. Okay, a man who lives on the tenth floor of a building takes the elevator down to the first floor every morning and goes to work. Mm-hmm. In the evening, when he comes home, um, if it's a rainy day, he goes straight to his floor. If there's other people in the elevator, he goes straight to his floor. Otherwise, he goes to the seventh floor and then walks up three flights of stairs to his apartment. Can you explain why? No, and I don't care. Oh, I hate these. I completely hate these. Yeah, just tell us the answer. I, I used to be obsessed with these, and I used to collect these. Oh, man. No guesses? No I had guesses? a book. I had a book called yeah. Aha, and it was all those types of things. And right. I used to read it obsessively, but I don't remember any of them. No, I, I can't deal with it. A man, he was standing on a block of ice, and it melted. Right? <laughs> <laughs> How well in a wacky situation. Okay, so... So the answer to this brain teaser was... Although I know I've heard this one before and yeah, I completely can't okay. remember. Yeah. So the answer like... to the brain teaser was, the man is short, and if it's a rainy day, he'll press the button to his floor with the umbrella, or he'll ask somebody else in the elevator to press the button for his floor. Otherwise, he can't reach the button. Oh. So he'll go press the seventh floor button and climb up three flights of stairs. I just would never have thought that there are any buttons on an elevator that a human can't reach. Yeah. This is, okay, like, I had <laughs> so many problems sound. with... No, it's not logically sound. Sa- I had so many problems with this brain teaser. A, that... And all buttons are always easily reachable for basically any level. Well, maybe of human he's being. like one foot tall. That's, he's a munch. He's an actual he's munch. A small right? If he's, he's like Thumbelita, then maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he's a pixie. I, you know what? I, I but I, my my bigger issue is that buttons and elevators. 
the first floor is on top and the tenth floor is on the bottom. Uh, Almost always. Oh, yeah, you might have a point there. So you'd have more issues reaching the lower floor. It doesn't go one, two, three, four, five, six. It doesn't go up. No, almost never, right? It goes like that. Your hand motions will not translate (laughs) over the air. You were were doing up hand motions. (laughs) I was going side to side, and then I went in a big U. It definitely doesn't go in a big U where it goes from one to ten up and then like eleven to twenty down. I'm more like, I'm more into allegorical um, stories. Like, I really like the story of the Sword of Damocles. That's something I think about a lot. What's that story again? The story is basically that... uh, uh, there's like a, a a king and he's got a guy in his sort of one of his servants is like man i wish i was you and the king says oh yeah you want to be me you could be me for a day buddy so he spends the day like you know feasting and fucking and then at the end of the night the servant's like this is awesome and he looks up and he gets in the king's bed and there's this sword hanging from a thread above his head uh, and he he calls and he's like what the hell's this he's like you want to be me man that's what it's like wow. every fucking day there's a sword hanging above your head because everybody wants to kill you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think about that that one a lot that's a good one it is yeah. a, it is a good one. one yeah um but I, I would like to think that that guy doesn't actually literally have that sort over his head all the time no it's it's a metaphor <laughs> it's a metaphor but it's a very it's, real metaphor though, it's hard it's cause... hard to work thinking about that thing like shit oh that string started to fray mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> no but that's that. for real that's like in every like medieval or like whatever up until very recently everyone was trying to kill all the royalty so it kind of sucks yeah I know. What? Nobody wants to kill the royalty anymore. Mm-mm. Nobody's like trying to assassinate the royal baby. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, Prince Kate's good. But, Kate. but yeah, all for all ten episodes, they all reference either like a Zen koan or a puzzle. For instance, uh, like the sixth episode is Buridan's ass. Do you know mm-hmm. what Buridan's ass is? No. It's a um, it's a, a it's a donkey that's equally hungry and thirsty. Like extremely hungry and extremely thirsty, and you put him exactly in the middle uh, between a bale of hay. And a lake of water. And the idea is the donkey is so paralyzed between whether he wants to eat first or drink first that he just stays paralyzed in the center and never moves. Mm. And dies. And dies. And can you step in the same river twice? That's yes. Zeno's. Isn't that Zeno's paradox? <laughs> no, Zeno's paradox is the one where um, like you're trying to oh, run yeah, a race. Oh, yeah, you're trying to run a race and you have to go half the distance <laughs> right, each but, time. Yeah. But you keep crossing half the distance right, and then you're yeah. crossing an infinite number of yeah, halfway points bullshit. so you'll never that's get bullshit. to the end. I don't. I don't subscribe to that one. I was just shaking my head in agreement. I know. I was thinking Parmenides. I don't know. Yeah, you might. You might be right. Yeah. But then I will. uh, Okay. So I'll give you one more koan before we go to talk about the episodes. Um, Eating the blame is the name of the fourth episode, right? I don't know. Yes. (laughs) So that is named after a, a Zen koan. Here's the Zen koan. Circumstances arose one day which delayed preparation of the dinner of a Soto Zen master, Fugai, and his followers. In haste, the cook went to the garden with his curved knife and cut off the tops of the green vegetables, chopped them together, and made soup, unaware that in his haste he had included a part of a steak in the vegetables. The followers of Fugai thought they had never tasted such great soup, but when the master himself found the snake's head in the bowl, he summoned the cook. "'What is this?' he demanded, holding up the head of the snake." Oh, thank you, master," replied the cook, taking the morsel and eating it quickly. That's the end of the koan. That, what? <laughs> See, Zen koans usually don't have like a punchline or an answer. It's something to like ponder, where you're like, "So, what do you think that meant?" That's mm. uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> not. That's not. That's not law school. No, it's not law school. That's 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 you it's know philosophy. Well, like, monks will spend, like, you know, a year in solitude contemplating one Zen koan, trying to figure out what it really means. Interesting. We could, so, in theory, we could spend an entire, like, year of podcasts just on that one question. 
Sweet. We should do it. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Answering a single Z colon. I'm going to uh, try this monster you put do in Do it. Me. This one's good, too, do though. It, man. I don't know. Okay, green make... tea or tea plus lemonade. Hold on. Hold on. That one, even though it's like green, it's surprisingly good. I'm going to do the green tea. I think you should. It's good. I want you to drink it. Exactly. I'm familiar. <laughs> I really want you guys to do a Singani, which is a Bolivian liquor. Mm. I've had Singani. It's really tastes good. like yeah. sugar. All right, let's do the show, huh? <laughs> it doesn't taste like green tea, even a little bit. Actually, it doesn't. Not really. Not really. No. <laughs> All right, let's get into the uh, TV show of the week in a segment called The Big Review Ski. You know, guys, I've found that if you print your notes, they're a lot easier to read. Uh, we're I haven't fine found on our that. Phone. I found that uh, looking up answer, looking up notes on your phone uh, saves the environment and doesn't let you cut down trees. Oh, yeah, because I, <laughs> I care about trees. Sure, you do. Sure, I do. So, uh, Fargo episodes four through six, really interesting uh, group of episodes to talk about because it ends on kind of works as a self-contained little story. We already got into the story of Stavros a little bit, but we got yeah. his backstory to start off here. And then we end on a cliffhanger for a lot of these characters, including a fairly horrible fate for Stavros. Ugh. Let's talk. Let's start with talking about Stavros then, because he's kind of bookends this series of episodes we yeah. watched. He, it's, I love, first of all, that they do tie it back into the movie universe. Yeah, um, that made me really happy. Yeah, which creates, I mean, it's just by a little bit of a thread, but it does kind of create this little bit of continuity and let you know all these, all these crime stories, all these... You know, because coincidences do pile up on top of coincidences in this show. Yeah. And there's definitely a sense that there's kind of a creator behind all of it. And even, and even a sense of that in the movie a little bit as well. And the fact that the TV and show and movie are tied in together really emphasizes the fact that this is all one big kind of crazy puzzle of dominoes where everything affects everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what a sucker I was. I, I, I thought that the true story thing was actually true. That was and like then, me the movie. And then, well, and that made me forgive the movie to some degree for its, its lackluster storytelling. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Maybe we should just start with this. Yeah, lackluster, let's get into it. Lackluster storytelling? Yeah, yeah I want to call back to Fargo, the Fargo movie. Okay, here's my problem with the Fargo movie. The Fargo movie is a one-act film. It has, it's literally one act. It's a second act, okay? Like, this is why I like the TV show. You start mm-hmm. with a character, and you establish who he is, and then we're, I'm talking about what's-his-face, uh, what's the main guy? Lester. Lester, Lester Nygaard. Okay, yeah. so Lester starts off, you get a sense of his life, it ends with him killing his wife, and then he transforms over the course of the season from a milk toasty guy who who lashed out with rage to a guy who kind of finds himself and finds his power, and then ultimately like wait, becomes, don't say ultimately. I'm not say, okay, okay. Like I said, <laughs> you're already seeing that transformation. Totally, you're yeah, seeing yeah. him transform. You're seeing him yeah. kind of, and you're rooting for him because. Ooh, and I'll tell you, I'm, you are. I, oh. You are no. Okay, this is no a good noir film. A, and that's what this is basically a take on is, is, is noir. Oh, sure. A good noir movie film has a both. character who commits a crime that you can kind of relate to Oof. and you watch as it falls on him but there's a part of you that roots for him when he gets away. When he's being strangled in the snow and the guy's like punching him and fucking him up and he tasers that guy you're kind of like yeah run! Like you you, you relate. I disagree. I disagree. It's funny. I disagree too. Because yeah. they, they know what you're talking about. Because it's kind of, it's like Walter White syndrome, where you started, it's a good guy, and then the good guy is slowly corrupted, but you start on his side because he starts as a good but guy. But you can't help but project yourself into a protagonist's um, s- struggle or their journey. In particular, if the actor is good, 
you can't help but kind of root for them. You root for him in a way you don't root for Malvo. You root for him in a way you don't root for the hitman or for the, you know. I like, was rooting for the hitman. Yeah, well, Jackie was rooting for the hitman. Yeah. <laughs> what hitman in particular? Yeah. Adam Goldberg? Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I wrote him, I call him, I call him, I call those two guys Mr. Boring and Mr. Joke. Because uh, Adam Goldberg fine. is boring to me, and the other guy's just a running gag that go because he's sign language just goes on and on and on. Oh and well, we're already disagreeing about all the characters because I love their relationship. I, yeah, um, not I like I, Goldberg I, because I just am a fan of how he plays that kind of character. Like it speaks. He doesn't to me. do like anything. It. I know. I like he it. literally does jack shit. No, it's, it's just like his face and his beard. But it's, and the he's, way a, he's just, just like a dick. He's like, like he's hot because like he's it. a hot Jew. Yeah, I just love find him attractive. I just I just love seeing him as a tough guy. It's so far from like days confused. Yeah. Played the nerdiest guy in the world, and now he's like a believable tough guy. Trust me, guys. If you didn't sort of, if people didn't sort of root for Lester, you wouldn't have a show, right? It it would be different if Lester was our only point of view. Yeah, but what about like we have Molly, right? But we have there are genuinely like good protagonists. Is Molly the name of the female cop? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, now the cops to me are the are so terminally boring like i know they're supposed to be boring because that's kind of the point i think of you're it. confusing like good good and boring no, no maybe no. you just they're cited just, the bad guys. they're just not interesting <laughs> they're not interesting characters to me they're just they're vanilla they're good people who are trying to do the right thing particularly the female like the guy colin hanks at least has a tragic flaw is his he's so incompetent he keeps fucking things up and trying to make up for it what is what is the arc of molly what does she represent she literally just represents someone who's trying to solve i don't case. think we've had ever had a guest been wrong about more things in a short period of time <laughs> wrong. Oh, my, mind, whoa, my, mind is, my mind is blowing right now. Josh, okay, no, dude, hey. what is Molly's arc? Okay, what does she what does she start off? Well, as actually, and what does I she thought end she as? started off as kind of bumbling because, like, in the first the first time we ever saw her, she was kind of like, "Hey, chief, I have this like really good idea," and he was like, "Okay, yeah. whatever, little girl." But then, so I was so, which is what pissed me off already because, like, in, I've been saying this about a lot of Conan Brothers movies where like their <laughs> female characters are like stupid and they just right. don't make any sense. Right. So I was like, "Oh, cool, another stupid female character." But then she quickly becomes this like detective like mastermind or whatever so that was kind of a switch but it wasn't like a development it just happened very quickly but that's not a character trait that's just watching a person become more competent that's not like i mean in, in terms but of like a growth and car- no, I, of I think a re- i think a real growth is it, it's not in terms of competence it's in terms of learning how to basically navigate bureaucracy because she's you have this character that's who is so exciting well, think, I, learning how to navigate bureaucracy. Okay, well, it doesn't sound interesting. <laughs> but that's a real obstacle. Like no, but it's, but, but it's interesting what... to, to see a good person put in a tough situation where they can't actually like exert their force in the universe, and they can't actually make any sort of change. But she, she can't has catch no. Novo. She has no B story. She has no background. She has no. Well, she does have a B. Her B story is her like budding relationship with Gus, kind of. <laughs> I mean, what is, what, is, okay, what is the worst part? What is the worst part? Okay, what is the worst part of the horror movie? Right, the first part of the horror movie is the part where everyone gets killed second part of the horror movie is where they run around trying to tell everyone you gotta believe me you gotta believe me the final part is when people finally believe them and then go after the monsters her entire arc is her just saying you gotta believe me you gotta believe me over and over and over i can't think of anything more so, boring but, but she's part no, of the story though in that yeah. way right and 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 i don't find it believable that her boss uh what's his face the oh, guy no, from, bob Unkirk. bob Unker. i don't find it believable that he is so completely willfully ignorant over and over and over again in fact it's almost like unless he was on the take somehow from these guys like if that was going to be his twist then i would have believed it when he finally says in like episode six or five uh when he finally is like oh maybe you're right it's like oh thank god we can move on from this okay. excruciating yeah. <laughs> i will agree with point. that actually <laughs> I, I see i i, I see a, but that's I see not her fault no. 
saying, although I I don't think she's a bad person. No, I'm I know. Just saying but she's I'm saying not like, a compelling. Character I see. To me. I see a little bit of your point there because I can see how Bill is basically on the line between being just cartoonishly stupid. No, he, I, I think he is cartoonishly stupid. That's why I'm so pissed every time he talks. But I don't think I don't think he's quite there. I think he's and I, I've seen Noah Hawley talk about this character in interviews. Is basically. A guy who grew up in small town Minnesota and knows everybody there and knows everybody is basically good guys and doesn't want to believe that people are capable. Look, of really I get bad that, things. but I don't know if he pulls it off. I don't, and I don't know if it's the acting or the writing, but I just I find it annoying. It's like if I, if I had to see one more scene of her trying to convince somebody and yeah. then being like, "Oh gosh, no, I don't think so." I, I don't, maybe maybe it's because I felt like I've been in that position before. But I love, I totally identify with Molly in that struggle. I love watching that back and forth, and I, her trying to fight against this oblivious. Well, man. I'll say this for me. The two people that carry the show are Billy Bob Thornton and Martin Freeman. I I I love Billy Bob. I love oh, Billy Bob for like... so many reasons. I love that he can make a bowl cut scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love him. Him and uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah, uh, <laughs> different bowl cuts, tradition. but yeah. Yes. I love how he and this is such a trope, but I love how he like does all this shit without even covering his face. It's so unrealistic because they're like they're like they're like well look up this guy. There's got to be a mug shot. There's got to be something. Yeah, he's he just, just walking you know, into buildings, fucking. Well, he, he just he writes, Actually, okay. he writes down Lorne Malvo in the guest book. <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't care. He doesn't. Give he doesn't a shit. give a fuck. Which I think is great, yeah. but you know that scene where they're like, "Well, what's the evidence? Like, what's what's the evidence that you have?" And he's like, "Well, I just like I know it was him, and like that's not evidence. You can't just like okay arrest somebody on that." So I thought that was really great because this guy knows, like Billy Bob knows, <laughs> the legal system is fucked. You can't okay. just like. It's so sure. hard to actually get that evidence down. So he's sort of like that blah, blah, photo blah, blah, that, that they have. They did a very poor job with that art direction because that photo looks just like Billy Bob Thornton. They really should have. They really should have hidden his face better because when they're all sitting around going, oh, I don't know, I could be my aunt Jill. It's like no, that's clearly the guy uh, you just had in. Yeah, there. No, no, no. no well, slight, <laughs> it's slightly blurry. Once, but once again, we're we're being invited to identify with Molly because Molly can clearly see it's Billy Bob, and but so no we're one seeing, else we're can. Seeing, but we're but we're kind of seeing the show through her eyes. So well, we're because. Everyone else sees him as this minister that he says he is. And so that bowl cut man, that, come on, that's <laughs> yeah. him. No, I mean, no, but he has his hair parted to the side. You didn't him. see that, of yeah. course it is. But in the photo, and the glasses, and he, tor- and he totally cut. changes his gait. He's, I thought it was actually pretty impressive. His yeah, transformation. yeah, yeah. No, no, I thought, no. Well, again, no. I think but he changes his hair. He changes. I think his glasses. he's fantastic in the role. I think he's great. I love this idea of a character that sort of he's basically demonic. I mean, he he yeah. goes yeah, he, around sure. to cause strife, and all of the little subtle ways he causes yeah. strife, like convincing the kid to pee. In the on the car or whatever he does, like I, I love that aspect of him. Um, I get a little tired of the constant predator prey uh, references. references. Kill, kill or be killed. Kill yes, or be they, killed. They definitely. They definitely like, oh no, we get it. Yeah, we get why I, you're doing I, this. I do okay. think they go a bit balls out with that, but I think Martin Freeman is great in it, and I and I think he maybe, is great in it. I think anyone who can relate to the idea of a person who was shit on and picked on, who has rage inside, who lashes out in a moment and then is in over their head. I mean, how would you not sort of sympathize oh, sure. or at least understand that? Oh, that's... sure, but I think... But I, I, guess, I feel but like... he's crossing so many lines to me that I'm right. just like... Well, but I, feel I, like, I feel like that sympathy is gone by the end of the pilot, basically. Um, uh... Like, you, start, you, do start, you start out with that sympathy, but then he murders his wife with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, but like in the last episode where he like takes his wife's panties and like does whatever and puts it in his brother's gun case which is like an incredibly well thought out plan by the way an impressively well thought out but very but But then but then the way he's like looking at the kid's face and then of course it's because he wants to put the gun in the kid's backpack it was just like the 
fuck oh, is wrong? No, with I mean, you? he yeah, he he becomes increasingly more unsympathetic, and but it's it's impressive to watch someone become to embrace that side of them. Yeah. And that's an arc. That's not Molly who just like I'm good. I'm still good. I'm Let, still good. Look, let's start pretty good like, over okay, here. So look, what would you want yeah. Molly to do differently? I would How want would Molly to have a vice. I would want her to have something in her life that she does wrong that she tries to overcome, some weakness, some human flaw. Well, she does mm-hmm. have a vice. Her vice is that she can't let things go. That's not a vice. <laughs> it's a vice. That's I don't know vice. if it's a vice. You saw that in her personal life. If you saw that it destroyed all of her relationships, but you don't know anything about her other than that she's this, the, the, the character. All you know is she's like she's just trying to solve Lester. Look, Lester is yeah. Lester's the most has the most dynamic character in the show, obviously, where he actually has like a real change in his character, and the other characters don't necessarily. That right. doesn't that doesn't mean that just because they don't have like total one eighty degree transformations that they don't. But I don't undergo, buy her. Like, change I don't buy her as is. Whoa, the door just blew open. Weird. Whoa. <laughs> Creepy. Speaking of God. <laughs> I just don't buy her. It's like, uh, I mean, I don't buy Malvo either, but at least he's interesting. Right. And I'd Malvo, buy I Malvo. Buy and Malvo almost isn't, is supposed to be almost not human. Yeah, he's almost like, yeah. he's like. He's but he's like, a real psychopath. That's he's why like I do the buy devil. him. He's like the devil incarnate in a way. I mean, he really yeah. just exists to cause human suffering. But she's just this perfect kind of one-dimensional character. I just think it's, it's a one-dimensionality to it that I don't, I just don't know anything about any of her human side and well and there was that one conversation she has with a friend like in one of season or episodes one two three i don't remember which one where she's like at that diner and they're catching up or whatever but i guess she's like that's obviously so unbelievably pointless by the way it's just like in fargo we were talking about it in the movie where with the asian guy uh-huh okay it's the exact same thing okay so fargo let me get <laughs> back to fargo yeah please okay. I think we need to get back to we need to get nail this down it's a one-act movie where no one changes, no one. It's like he. It, the movie opens where with the character already having made the decision, right? That's the opening scene. Yeah. He makes the decision. He follows through on it, and he gets caught. And he never changes, or he, he never evolves. He never makes the. You don't see him get to the point where he's going to do it. You don't see him get to the point where he regrets it, or like there's no consequences in the film. It's just there like, are, well, he he ends the film being dragged away to jail. Right, but he started <laughs> bad. He made the decision. He kind of consistently acts yeah. in an inappropriate way. Like, it, I th- like it's just one act to me. It's I it's, think it, it's, I, a, no, it's a I, sketch. I think the fa- I think where we start with Jerry's character arc is beautiful because the first act is completely implied. You can figure out just based on who this character is how he got to this point and how he made these kind of bad choices that got him so deeply in debt. He's, yeah, but that 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 doesn't. Then I'm not invested. I'm not invested in any of it. Like I I don't. The characters to me just exist and they are and they just play their one note and it's just like a bunch of people. They like feel twelve well, instruments all playing the same. Well, they note. feel they feel real. It's a tr- it's that's the that's the whole based on a true story idea. That's that why you believed for. it was real. I believed it was real because it was so um, lazily plotted. Like here's the thing for me. I, this is the thing about the Coen Brothers to me is that I feel like they are masters at film, the craft of filmmaking. But I feel mm-hmm. like because of that, they feel like they can rest on their laurels sometimes and underdevelop, undercook something. The thing about Fargo when I watched it again this year, I think let me just finish. Not interesting. Okay. <laughs> the thing about Fargo when I watched it this year is it, it occurred to me that most of the love I feel like people had for that film was the novelty of the setting. Right? It was the novelty of the, the accents, and no one had heard a Fargo accent at the time. Like it was snowy, it was cold. You had this detective who was a Mom, who was like, oh, golly, I don't know, honey. Golly, I don't know. I really, th- I really think the value of that film is, goes way beyond those superficial aspects. I, it just thought it was shallow. I feel like there's a version of that movie that could exist that would go deeper into the characters, that would go deeper into like who they are and what they represent, that would have gripped me more than just being like. 
Eh, it just and to defend it the, happens to defend the Coen brothers for a sec for being lazy plotters because they're, they're masterful plotters but they're not interested in doing a classic hero's journey or a three-act structure where there's an obvious build-up and a climax and falling action they're in, they have unconventional structures that mirror kind of the rhythms of real life where there are unexpected turns and re- storylines yeah. don't always wrap up neatly i think that's why what i liked about this one is that i I, like a sucker, also thought it was a true story. It did feel like this could actually happen, like just like this sequence of events. Because it's like, yeah, you fucking idiot. If you want to have your wife kidnapped, bad things will probably happen. It's not just like a clean kidnap. So I like... Right, that it's, it all, it's all about it it's all about the rule of unintended consequences and about how one mistake kind of leads to a chain of other okay, mistakes. But, and, yeah, but I like that it seemed like. But I like that it actually did seem like it was a real situation. Yeah, of, like, you know, like I have a we have a soundboard for me, and one of the things I always say is like I hate movies because I hate Ugh, I hate movies. Yeah, because I hate <laughs> I hate parts in movies that are so obvious, like. And then the hero did this, or like the villain did. Like I, I don't like those expected kind of plot twists or characters, whatever. So that's what I like about this. I don't this think movie. anyone likes anything that's predictable, but right. No, but and I mean, like, like I, don't, I, sp- I don't need the Jerry origin story because I could skip all that stuff. The, yeah. I just, we can go straight to where Jerry's actually getting into the thick of it and follow his bad decisions from there. I just thought it was a series of. Um, sketches it just felt like a sketch it just it seemed undercooked like if someone had given me that script and was like what are your notes i'd be like i can't you get a little deeper but on it, and this? it all wraps but, up beautifully with like marge's speech where she catches the guy and just talking about like the nature of evil in the world and it's it, I did think you it, like anything about it that you wanted to see more of no i, I interesting just I, I found it dull I thought it was dull. Hmm. I wasn't so in love with it. I wasn't like, oh, ha, 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 she's got an accent. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> Every time they get yeah. in bed and she's sitting there with her husband being like, oh, golly, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> but there's a, that, that counterpoint is deliberate. It's deliberate I to show. I know it's deliberate. Like, it's like Adam Sandler's deliberately aggravating. I still find him aggravating. I mean, I, I understand. It's that, the choice know. to show basic human decency as a counterpoint to all the madness and psychopathy that's going on. Yeah, that's boring. And that's an, human and decency that's, is boring. And me. that's a crucial. Hmm. Okay, well, that's <laughs> a crucial balancing part of Fargo the TV show as well is that you need to show the good in the world as well as the bad to feel like there's any stakes in this world well I find the show is infinitely more successful to me for the reason that it does get deeper into the characters if it was as shallowly portrayed and as one act as the movie I wouldn't like it then I was not expecting to like the well, show well did you think there was like fluff in the movie like I'm just trying to figure because the movie is a regular was the last movie time you length saw it? Um, a few weeks ago a month ago two months ago a couple maybe? months ago a couple months ago I, I it just seemed like shit they thought was funny. And I'll give you a perfect example. The Asian guy. They thought it was funny to have an Asian guy who looked Asian but had a Fargo accent. That's all that is. It was like five minutes of a pointless throwaway scene that's almost vaguely racist. Well, we talked. For we actually, no purpose whatsoever other than to make an Asian guy. Go back guy to that episode bad. and we talked about the Mike Yanagita scene <laughs> yeah. in depth. But we did talk about how there actually is kind of like a, even like a plot point to that scene. Where you go, you go further into the plot, and, and March is kind of thinking about that encounter and realizing how this guy she knew was a liar, and therefore Jerry, this guy she's investigating, might be a liar too. It's kind, of, it's a little bit of a leap, but yeah. Do you find that it's possible for you to be critical of a Coen Brothers film? Oh, in oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I've I've shit over all over a lot of these movies. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. Like, but Fargo is one of those that is like, really is did you really like, almost perfect. Um, <laughs> Oh, brother, where art thou? A lot. Okay, well then we have different taste. <laughs> I, yeah. think, I think we have completely different. Did taste. you like the one about the the guy that was like, I'm Jewish? Oh, hi, I'm Jewish. You mean a, ser- a serious man? Jew a serious stuff. man, Jew aka Jew stuff. Jew stuff the movie. <laughs> Jew stuff the movie. Did you see that? Yes. Did you like and that and one too? I, 
and if you and if all you took away from that was juiced up the movie, then you're really reading these movies on a very superficial level. I am so not much- reading it on a superficial <laughs> level. That movie was so Wait. unbelievably self-indulgent and boring and shitty. I hated okay. that movie. That's by far my least favorite movie. What, what are your favorites? Uh, I would say uh, Big Lebowski, Raising Arizona. Well, he loves Raising Arizona. <laughs> I, love both, I mean, I love both I don't like too. Raising Arizona. <laughs> and I'm the, okay about Big Lebowski. I'm kind of eh. You're okay about the Big Lebowski? I, yeah. But I, I've only I, seen I, it once. I think she's crazy, too. I've only seen it once, so I haven't like. I, I didn't like it the first time I saw it. Yeah, that's okay. what it is. The second time I saw it, I liked it more. That's and what it is. The third time I saw it. That's what everyone says. Yeah. Everyone keeps watching you it. You really have to rewatch it. that one. Maybe I will. We, we could do a whole episode where you would just rewatch it. <laughs> that's the true. And see how my feelings have changed. Okay, what else do you like? Name some other ones of theirs. I don't know. Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing. Good. No Country. Good. Oh, yeah. Barton Fink. Yeah, I like that one. I like that too. Yeah. Okay, so we're like the well, three of us have varying tastes that overlap. Part of what you're talking about is just the differences between movies and TV shows. The TV shows in general have more room to dive into character stuff. A lot well, of movies the do stuff, too when they want to. A lot well, movies can get very deep into character no, there's, stuff. I just mean like in terms yeah. of showing entire arcs. A lot of what's going on with the characters in Fargo has to be implied or happens before the movie starts or after the movie ends. Did you like any of the characters in Fargo? The movie. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember. Hmm, that's so interesting. I don't remember because I love the psychopathic killer. (laughs) I mean, I liked um, what's his face? Steve Buscemi's always a treat. Oh yeah, you liked him. I liked Gare. (laughs) Yeah, his partner. Oh, that guy. (laughs) Because he was yeah. That guy, yeah. Well, anyway, he's a psychopath. that's that's but, my that's my thought it, on it. Well, when it, look, I mean, you're. Well, I'm not going to convince you. You're right. You're right about Fargo. <laughs> okay, but, but let me put it this way. <laughs> let me put it this way. You can understand that what I'm saying is a genuine criticism of it that exists. So, if having a one act movie would bother somebody, that just simply bothers me. It's not like I'm making this shit up. I'm not like saying like, well, all the actors in it are terrible. I don't yeah. even. Yeah, the cinematography even, is crap. You know, I don't even. Yeah, I, but I don't even. I totally understand what you mean by one act movie. It, if you mean it doesn't follow a traditional three act structure where we're introducing the characters one by one in I order, and like, then everything wraps up in a neat I feel little like bow. It's the amount right. of story that could have been told in thirty minutes, but it's stretched to an hour and a half, and I find that stretch leaves me bored. I want more information. I want more twists. I want more stuff. Like I felt like. It but was, then it wouldn't be following the, those rhythms of kind of real life and trying to depict a truish story sure, as opposed to like a sure, a very but, kinetic like action. Sure, movie. but I didn't like that. Okay, <laughs> I don't watch. Re- sure. I don't go to the movies to watch real life. I go to the movies to watch a movie. Well, like know? okay, well, I guess that is a legitimate. That is a criticism. That's <laughs> yeah, a legitimate. it's a criticism. It's just a cri- it's a criticism I don't agree with, but I can see how it is a legitimate. Criticism. <laughs> so, so leave that there at least and talk about Fargo the TV show. This is the most divisive episode yet. I know. And I love it. <laughs> Again, though, just talking about, like talking about the cops in Fargo because I think the the story of both Molly and Gus is fascinating. Gus, in particular, I think has a great arc over the course of the series. Well, he he's more interesting to me because again, he has that flaw. He he he's criminally incompetent, and he has right. to make up for it. That makes it interesting. Ultimately, when he decides to go out of his way to like break the law and come after this guy or oh wait is that a spoiler alert shit no he decided to arrest the guy without reading him or yeah, Miranda he rights mans and just up. Totally oh, yeah. he like yeah. mans up because he feels like he has to and he's terrified and i think one of the best scenes yeah. is when he's arresting him because it's so tense because you yeah, know that yeah. malvo's is badass and this guy's like shaking him. shaking right. in his boots and you have no idea if he's gonna go along or if he's gonna spin around and grab the gun it's like ah and then he gets yeah. in the car you're like ah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right grab him through the car like i don't know it's this guy who is grappling with the fact that he was basically a coward in right. his in his first right. seat of the show. And right. And what's Molly grappling with? 
Molly is grappling with Molly's alone she's a single woman she's a cop she's a man in her own she's <laughs> fat if she wasn't fat you'd be like what's her point Oh, we cast a fat woman. Oh, it's revolutionary. We love her. Interesting. You know, there's a there's a shot towards the end of the fifth episode where she's just staring at that poster in Lester's basement. What if everyone else is wrong and you're right? Which it's in some ways kind of encapsulates her arc. What if her, which is very much like a classic Cassandra arc, because she is right, and she figured basically everything out in the fifth episode, but nobody's willing to listen to her. And, oh, and well, her she has flaw to, is perfection, then. She's like, it's like The Incredibles. Do you remember the end of that movie? I love The Incredibles, mm, by I didn't the see way. It. It's a good movie. The end of The Incredibles is basically all of them realizing that they should accept that they're better than everyone else and stop pretending that they're not. That's basically... <laughs> well, yeah. It's like Ayn Rand, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the movie, but if you think about it, like if you deconstruct the message, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Let superheroes be superheroes. Everyone should stop being jealous of right. them, God damn it. Well, I'm trying to think. I, her whole she's right and everyone's wrong thing, there's something wrong with that too. It's probably underdeveloped, but I would say that she does have a flaw in that she's not going about it like right. I don't think because she's like in this like little small town where yeah, like she's no very, one's going to listen. Very, to what she's she's very aggressive. Yeah, she's kind of very aggressive, which like I don't fault her for. But kind of looking at like myself in similar situations, I know where I can kind of do the same thing. Where it's like you're like no, but like this is the right thing, and like you're a little bit aggressive about it. But like right. really, what you need to do is be a little bit more political. I don't think that's obvious. That might not even be intended. But to me, I kind of see that where I'm like. If you really want to get this done, you better try to work with the system that you're in, and she's not doing it, and or, therefore she gets shot and killed. Or, or depending on your reading, you could even see her arc as being one of not giving up in the face of adversity, and just realizing that sometimes the uh, things are stacked against you, and you but just that, have yeah, to keep going. Yeah, but then she gets shot. You have to understand, though, that like that's not. I mean, that's not a story. You know what I mean? A, a story. It's a story. A that's, story a very, that's a pretty classic human story, right there. Mm, that's like uh, the little engine that could. That's like a story for a five-year-old. You know, like well, the little engine that could is five pages. Yeah, but this is that's, this and is that's a much it. more. But, but that's it. But it's it's like, it doesn't mean that moral isn't interesting if you explicate it and put it in like a much more complex world. I think that she has to take that moral and she has to work in the system that she's in, which she wasn't doing. And then it's yeah. not going to work. Right. Because I don't think it is just about being a little engine that could. You have to be a little engine that could, but be a smarter little engine smarter that could. Smarter and work within the system. I think so. And just I because think a lot of like what we do as humans is like working whatever system we're right. in. Right. Just because you, you think you know everything doesn't mean that you can like just kind of uh, push convince your way everyone, and convince yeah. everybody. But That's a flaw. It is a flaw. And Gus, and Gus definitely has that flaw. And Gus, and his, and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, summarized really aptly in that parable in the middle of uh, episode five that we watched, which is, by the way, a direct uh, allusion to Jew stuff, the movie. Where, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. And I, <laughs> I didn't appreciate the way that they broke format there and did an actual, um, did an actual, like, real like a re- corny recreation of it. I thought that was a little odd. I well, mean, I didn't hate it, but I was like, again, what are you though, doing? Ag- again, though, direct, direct movie reference to a serious man where they're kind of emulating the format yeah. of that Goy's Teeth scene yeah. where he's narrating the story, but you're having the actors in the reenactment mat- move their lips to match his voice. Oh, You've got yeah, the Dutch angles true. and the whole, the whole, stylistically, it's they very similar. That. Yeah, it just seemed out of place a little bit. I thought it was a little out of place. I was a little surprised. It was, I mean, because, but it's one of those, you know, weird, surprising Coen brothers as touches where you're kind of taking a detour from the main story to just talk about uh something that seems unrelated but is actually very related yeah hmm. uh and and i do think that story is interesting about the she guy who the <laughs> about oh, the I guy that who, movie so excruciating oh no i we i we do not even have time <laughs> <laughs> but uh 
<laughs> the story about the guy who had to uh my mom like, hated it too so i'm not oh well your mom is obviously right about all movies <laughs> <laughs> you don't know my mom <laughs> This guy, this rich man who gave all of his money to charity and then gave away all of his organs and then, like, just killed himself and turned himself into an organ donor. I just, like, I asked, like, uh, did it work? And he's like, look around. Like, no. Right. No, obviously, if he tried to end all suffering in the world, and you can't end all suffering in the world, but Gus says you have to try anyways. Which is, in its own way, another message about persistence. Which is also called hitting the nail right on the head. That dialogue. That was like, there's a nail, and you went... And you just hit but it. But it's on the done head. subtly. Most, I mean, <laughs> most of this show is not thematically constantly hitting the nail on the head. Well, There's a little bit of that stuff. I don't. Okay, but remember, Gus is the one who was like, who backed away from Malvo in the beginning, right? Because his morality was like, well, he has his daughter, and he spent the and whole. So we spent time on that last time too, of like, well, right. was it the right thing or not the right thing? Because he's a cop, and he's supposed to protect and serve. He's. It seems like he's spent his time since then, basically deciding that was the wrong thing and trying to make up for that mistake. Right. Yeah, I guess so. I still kind of understand his his actual first instinct. Oh, if you're like, if you're in Gus's position, you could completely understand his first instinct. But yeah, he's kinda... but he's ultimately, I think, deciding you have to do you have to sacrifice yourself and do something about the problem of because he just in the feels world. guilty, I guess. Because he feels guilty and and now and now he keeps trying to fix that wrong, but he's just he's too incompetent to do anything about it. Whether by arresting him or trying to shoot at him in the snow, which that <sighs> that scene, that just a beautiful just a beautiful scene. That entire snowblind shootout, yeah. I lo- I loved that, and I loved the way that. Yeah. Was I still don't out. understand though how Mister Boring and Mister Joke actually <laughs> found him on the street, just driving a random car. Did you ever wonder that he was? Um, whose car was he in? I don't he wasn't, know. He wasn't, wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't even in Lester's SUV. No, no, he wasn't in Lester's stolen car. And he wasn't car in the yeah. Stavros SUV either. He was just going down the street randomly, and they just rammed Where did him. he come from? Where did they, How did they find him? Um, he came from the trainer guy's house. Right. He was, yeah, he was driving away from the from Dennis from Always Sunny's house. Hmm. I was still really distracting to see him in this role. I just yeah. think of Dennis from Always Sunny yeah, every time I see him. I don't, I, 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 okay, well, getting to the arc about, <laughs> getting to the arc about, about these three episodes being sort of the Stavros arc, I guess right. I found kind of the Stavros stuff was not played with the same subtlety as some of the other stuff. I, I thought it was a little bit... I don't know. I, 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 would, I didn't love it. I didn't love the Stavrosev. And I think he, Dennis was a part of it to some degree because I don't know <laughs> if he was... If he was selling me on his character, he was a bit cartoony. He was a bit over the he was, top. He was, yeah. he was he a little cartoony. Really, I agree. I wasn't really buying him. The ent- <laughs> and you're right. The entire Stavros arc is not subtle. Definitely a flock of fish falling from the sky is not subtle. Um. But not the subtle in terms of the, you know, I, I, I just, I hate to say it. I mean, uh, I don't know if I, if I, if I thought the people who were playing all those roles were as strong as some of the other people. I, I, I don't know if. Do you think Stavros is strong? He's okay. <laughs> okay. He's okay. But the, I, the kid, no, I think the trainer is ridiculous. The trainer is ridiculous. The kid was kind of ridiculous. I, it's, I didn't <laughs> it is once again a little bit in that in that Cohen tradition of having quirky characters on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. That son is definitely a Cohen quirky character. Right, yeah. Um I Dennis is yeah. In general in, Yeah, in general that storyline I agree with you. It's a little bit cartoonish. Although I love I love all the Ten Plague stuff and I love seeing Malvo like on top of the supermarket watching his handiwork as all the as all the bugs are flying around. That stuff is beautiful. I don't know why they did fish though. I thought that was pretty weird because they had they had run with the pit, the blood and the locusts and then they do a thing at the end that kills the firstborn son, but it's not related to an actual couldn't they have done like something a little more 
biblical, like frogs or something? I mean, that, frogs are one of the plagues, so couldn't they have done frogs? But fish have been uh, showing up throughout the show, too. Like, there's the uh, that poster, the what if everybody's right, wrong and you're right. They go fishing. Um, that yeah. episode actually starts on a fish tank, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I what get does the, fish? What do fish mean? Does that mean something? I think it's just, I mean, I think it's just him using a visual motif, basically. Yeah, I... I did wish it. Don't fish been... have something to do with Jesus? Oh, yeah. You mean that Jesus fish that's on all the, the cars Jesus that they don't understand? I don't understand? know. I'm yeah. Jewish. Yeah, 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 I know yeah, yeah. about. I don't, I don't no, know. No, there's a Jesus fish. Because <laughs> he's going to make fishermen of men. Oh, some oh. Shit like is that, that what that means? Yeah. He teaches men to fish. No, I, he doesn't give men fish. He no, teaches you will men be fish, fishermen, yeah. and the, I forget what it is. It's something that's an allegorical thing. It's not like he wants everyone to fish. But uh, yeah, that whole the uh, let's okay. Let's just talk about the end of that Stavros arc then, where he's like. He's decided to rebury the money because he believes he's received another message from God. Yeah. He's such a hardcore believer that he's not even listening to his son, who actually has something intelligent to say for once. Um, which, to me, if you're, if you're going to argue that Stavros is being punished for something, you could argue he's being punished for that. He's being punished for not listening to his son, who he's claiming to try to protect and do all this stuff for. Still, even then, the actual punishment... He's way too punished. The actual punishment he gets is way over the top. Yeah. Right. And, it, and it, it doesn't, well, it's it's dissatisfying because you don't understand if he is being punished by God for what, because he did try to return the money. So he didn't, right. he didn't do so bad, you know? Well, but maybe, so. maybe it was dumb of him of trying to bear, rebury the money in the first place instead of like giving it to charity or something. There's way better things he could have done with a suitcase full of money. Well, maybe the person <laughs> would come back and try to find it and then maybe they need it. Well, Maybe it's like, what, like 20 years yeah, later, like 20 right? Years I, buried, later. I buried that seed money like, for the orphanage, and I yeah. went back to get the orphanage money, and it was gone. It's 30 years later. It has to be like totally of 30 years later. Happened, right. But like, I don't know. I don't think that's punishment enough. I mean, we talked about this in the um, No Country episode of like, what would you do if you found a suitcase full of money? Right. And like, I mean, I guess it's dirty money. You know, if you find a suitcase full of money Buried like that in the, in the snow, ground. it's probably dirty money, right? Yeah, it's probably dirty money. But like, can you blame him? Like, he just and he doesn't. Ah. He doesn't actually seem like he's done bad things with it. Yeah, he built like a supermarket empire off of it. But he doesn't seem that's like, why, like a, an awful to, guy. That's why I started asking. I was like, did I forget something that happened in episodes one through three? Like, is he bad? Do we dislike well, him? And ul- it's like, no, yeah, his ex-wife really. is just pissed Ultimately, at him. Ultimately, it's a very odd distraction because it doesn't really bear on anything that else that's going on. I mean, it, it really only bears on the fact that Malvo's in town doing something. But what what does it have to? It doesn't intersect with anything. Right. Well, of the yeah, it's part of Malvo's. It's part of Malvo. Yeah. But it's showing it's. In some ways, it's showing us more about Malvo. Like, this is what he does. This is how he operates. But it's like a separate caper that doesn't... But isn't that all his stuff? Is he showed up in town wide? His original purpose was something to do with... Um, He was capturing that guy who was in the trunk of his car. Yeah. Okay, that's the only thing he was there to do. And then he was like, gets involved in the Lester thing with Hess. Right. And And that was just a personal mission. And then how did he get involved with Stavros? Because he was supposed to help Stavros at first? That's where um, he, like... He's basically an assassin for hire or like an operator for hire or whatever. So they just um, hired him because he, the, he was getting that ransom note. Yeah. So then he was like, oh, find the guy with the ransom note. And then he's just such an opportunist that he's like, he's oh, like, I want to Okay, I can see a way money. that I can make some money off of this. So I think all of these things that are happening are just to show how he's just around causing chaos and yeah. out for himself. Yeah. Or whatever. yeah, but I mean, we get that. Yeah, <laughs> but know, I we guess already got we it. have to see it in lots of different ways. It kills the dog, there, it kills these people, look, there are, it kills the son. Yeah, there are there are full on arcs that happen to this show that don't directly tie into sure. like the finale of the show. But sure. I think that's I think that's okay. Spoiler, uh huh. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. I mean, it's fine, and I, I don't think that it didn't. It, like it, 
shouldn't have been there. I just didn't find it as compelling as other stuff that was happening. Is it like Lester stuff? Lester stuff. I love or, Lester. Right. I love Lester. He yeah. is. Look, I, I will agree with <laughs> you. Like that, I love him as a person. I'm just saying I like it when he's on screen. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I will. Look, I'll agree with you. His Martin Freeman does such a good job with the character. His performance is fascinating. You always want to see what he's going to do next because he's completely like unpredictable yeah. and seems to be like almost sh- like shape shifting. It's and, crazy. And what yeah. what I think makes a good crime film uh, or crime show is setting up scenarios that are uh, inescapable, right? Mm-hmm. And you know they're going to escape because you know where you are in the series, right? You know you're in the middle of the movie. You know you're uh, in the middle of the series. And you go... And, and, and you know, um, Breaking Bad was really good at this. You're like, how the fuck are they going to get out of this? And yes. then just seeing how the the writers come up with how they get out of it and if that feels satisfying if it's cheap if it's like uh, he put a knife in his boot and pulled it out at the last minute you're gonna go eh but if he comes up with something truly clever yeah. and he pulls it off and you go ah that was clever that's very satisfying and I think that's why yeah. I like his character is because he's constantly doing that he's getting himself out of these to so do a quick off topic digression because I know you haven't seen Breaking Bad I'm just really curious how did you feel about like episodes like Fly on Breaking Bad where it's just they're completely abandoning the main story and just kind of going off and having their own little side caper. I loved Breaking Bad. Yeah, no, it's my favorite um, the show. The only but. thing I didn't like was I felt like the writers threw the wife completely under the bus and they made her so unbelievably aggravating that, and I don't think it's her fault as an actress, but she just does the same thing for like six seasons and I just, every time she'd come on the screen they'd fight about the same stuff. I'd be like, oh God. <laughs> I just, I don't know, you're acting weird. I don't know where you go. You're acting weird. <laughs> What's though, going on with you? Even though, once again, she's right about everything. It doesn't matter. It was just like, oh, Oh, and then finally she becomes complicit in it and you're like okay well that's interesting but then it's like two episodes and then she's back to being like oh I yeah. just can't do this Again, no, we're not going to do Breaking Bad spoilers here I was just curious because I thought some of the best parts of Breaking Bad were actually where they you know it's such a tightly plotted and serialized show but they will sometimes abandon those plots and go off and follow things adventures that are more thematic yeah, and it, which is uh, which is something I think Fargo does really well. The main plot is compelling, but the the side business is compelling too. And well, just the little stories like Molly going to visit her, like you know, the chief's widow in the in the hospital, and just talking about the baby and how she's doing. Yeah, just little sweet human moments. I think make this a lot richer, much richer show. I didn't care for that scene. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, maybe you just want it to be all plot, 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 plot all the time. No, it's just uh, yeah, you know. The widow snooze, I, you know, sad for you. That's how I felt about that. Interesting. But I wasn't invested in her. But I that didn't stuff care built about her. It, again, it once again it builds stakes because you you're... weren't invested in her, even though like her husband was just yeah. like shot. And I don't know. Her. I don't know anything about her. And she's, she's saying like you're gonna find this guy, right? You're gonna, you got to find her for the chief, and it just it adds those emotional. It's the stakes same way this, I feel about when, in those story. those things that they show where it's like these children in Africa are starving. <sighs> I'm like, you know, it's like oh, she's the widow. What do I know about her? Zip zero. Jack well, you shit. know that she's pregnant and. She was pregnant when he was shot. You know, a little bit about... She's a walking plot device. The pregnant wife whose husband dies in the first episode. What do we know about about Lester before the first episode? We know know he was picked on his whole life. We know he he, uh, has a wife that abuses him. My personal personal theory on Lester is that Lester has probably always had a little bit of this crazy inside of him. That just maybe never had the chance to completely escape until we met Lord Malvo. Well, that's more than I know about the wife. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know anything about her. Except that she's a horrible hectoring... No, oh. no, no. I mean the... Oh, yeah, wife. the chief's wife, yeah. 
she's just yeah. the, she's just there to be sad i mean really i don't know i, I didn't need her too much but like i, I like the show a lot I, I really did like fargo i don't want to come across that i i don't <laughs> like it i do like it i liked it very much I and i a I, shockingly I, large amount but that doesn't mean that i appreciate you know, that, i think it's perfect i know? appreciate <laughs> that you're approaching it from a critical angle believe oh yeah me, believe me i do I, I like dissecting this stuff i think but i think a lot of the stuff that you're picking out is as boring or not quite working i think is really interesting i like mr boring and mr joke I think, which by the I just way, like Mr. Boring. Which, by the way, their official names according to the show are uh, Mr. Wrench and Mr. Numbers. Are revealed in episode six. I, I prefer Boring and Joke. That's so funny. Adam Goldberg is Mr. Numbers and he dies, and Mr. and Mr. Wrench is. Isn't still it true out there. that what they're actually signing is like actually really funny, weird stuff? Have you looked that up? I haven't looked that. Oh, up. it's not actually sign language. No, it is, but oh. they're signing things like that are totally absurd, like. Like not actually what the subtitles might, are saying that he's saying. That oh. might, that very well might be true. Yeah, but I but their sign language scenes together. I it's I love watching it because it just it shows like the depth of their relationship and how long these guys have been working together and how well they know each other. I love that the guy's actually deaf too. The yeah. Actor. Oh yeah. The, like actual, the, the actual the actual actor is deaf. Um. Yeah. Good. Okay. But the Lester thing versus Malva. I'm thinking about this because you love Lester's development, which I agree is compelling, but. He like disgusts me when I see him on screen, which is good, like a good thing because yeah, his character I, is effective. I, so defi- I, don't, I definitely do not root for him. I don't root for him, but that's weird because again, <laughs> going back to how I reacted to the Fargo movie too, it's like I don't find Malvo as hateful as I find Lester. <laughs> yeah, but I know why. Because Malvo's almost he's like he's putting myself, it all out there, right? Yeah, explain. It's it. the same shit as with Gear. Is that like? this character like is a psychopath and like actually is not human. Like there's a human chip missing. Right. And it's almost like impossible. Like, like Gare in the movie is like, that was just his job. Like he wasn't in it because he was so like, I don't I mean, actually, I don't think he was as evil as Malvo. Cause he wasn't like in it to like, try to like create all this chaos and havoc. He was just like doing what had to be done. So actually I guess in that way, Malvo's worse, but I guess like Malvo is not a human. So I'm not, as disgusted with him on a human level. Whereas Lester, I'm like, I guess I'm like, Oh dude, you're supposed to be a human. Like you were a human. And I guess he's devolving like out of his humanness. Well, so which problem, makes me dislike him more. The problem is, right. is you've never fantasized about killing your wife, which <laughs> well, I have, <laughs> but you can, but you can, fan- <laughs> but, to, oh, but to fantasize this one thing and to actually live out that fantasy yes. and see it happen uh, is a, such a different thing. Uh, and it just, you just it, snap, you know, you just snap. You just do something you shouldn't to with me, a hammer. No, to me, he, he crossed. Don't, yeah, no, don't ask me any questions about that. Well, now I want to ask you questions about that. I want to depose you. Um, no, I get that. But I think that's a problem. Yeah. So like Malvo, it's like, I'm like, all right, you're already like evil. And it's like, it's a little bit hard to like, it's hard to judge evil by human standard. But Lester's like, okay, you snapped, but now you've just gone down this path well, it's to all, like cover it, that But it's snap. also all very manipulative because you realize that Malvo doesn't actually do anything to any innocent people. He makes people make poor choices and then forces them to live with the consequences he's, of those choices. I mean, I wouldn't say he doesn't do anything. He's a manipulator. He if he went people. into a room and shot a baby or just raped a woman or, you know, beat a woman over the head with a hammer on screen. But no, all his victims are written specifically to be kind of shitty people that have done shitty things, right? He doesn't, he doesn't, he even gives Gus what about many, the, many, many chances yeah. to walk away. Well, a couple of things. Like, first, first, of all, the, first of all, the trainer, the trainer guy is, yeah, he's a blackmailer, but he doesn't deserve necessarily to be killed. Well, what about like the, the cop that gets shot, like he shoots with a shotgun? He's just, I guess he is... 
Yeah, that's probably the most innocent. That's probably the most innocent. And I get that there, there's with, innocent or innocent-ish people that are in these scenarios that he's like completely blowing up because I guess he shoots him. Though really, maybe Lester would have shot him if he were smarter. I don't know what, but. No, look, you don't see him victimize really that many look, Lord, innocent people. Lord Malvo is not Dexter. He's not trying to clean up the streets. He's just like, he's out basically he's, to get whatever he wants. And even, and he's listen, just evil. And, like, and, and there's also, it's a bit manipulative when he uh, frames his brother because the brother is made to be such a douchebag and such kind of an unlikable character that there is something there that's, they're trying to push it a little bit more that you could understand why he oh, would do but, this versus if his brother had been like an amazing guy. But I think, I think what I they, don't do, know, oh, his, no, mm. his brother's, no, I think what they do with his brother is really interesting characterization because the first time you see him and he's got this big gun collection and he talks down to his brother, he doesn't seem like a great guy. But the, but every other scene you see him in in the show, he's, seems like a basically decent person who's got a wife and a kid and actually is the one person who can sniff out Lester. But they made him an absolute cock lord. They didn't have to do that. They could have made the brother a really upstanding, supportive guy, but they didn't. There's a reason why they didn't. Right. It's all become yes, they are deliberately trying to put you in Lester's shoes and on Lester's side. But then they immediately rip that away and make you like basically hate yourself for empathizing. But that's the that's what makes a good crime film is that balance. It's that Walter White balance. It's that moment of when you root for the people, when you when you see them go too far, you feel bad for liking (laughs) them, you decide to forgive them, they go even further, you hate them again. Like My main reaction to watching Lester is like, Holy crap, who is this sociopath and how is he doing all these things? But never like I'm never rooting for him, never actually wanting him to get his way. In fact, he's actively no hoping than, he doesn't get no his way. He's no worse than Walter. If you could, if you could admit that you, uh, you sympathize with Walter White, then I don't see how you can't sympathize but with Lester. But I sympathized with Walter White all the way up through, like, season three. Oh, I then, wanted him to win up and I wanted him to fucking win the universe. No, I don't even care if there's, he was there's, 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 there's for sure a point where Walter White lost me. But it was it was a couple seasons in. Lester lost me one episode in. Yeah, not me. And turned into a full-on bad guy. Well, maybe anti-heroes just never lose you. Maybe you just want to be an anti-hero. Maybe I am an maybe, anti-hero. Maybe you are. And you're, you're the anti-hero of your old life. <laughs> well, there you have it. It all makes sense now. Well, I think like the turning point for Lester, too, is where his brother says to him, um, there's something missing. You're not right in the world. And yeah. then he like super snapped at that point. It was like, all right, I'm just going to pin this yep. on you, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, he was, all, uh, you know, the brother also pointedly said, uh, somebody's going to have to go down for this. Which I think gave Lester the idea, well, it's oh, not going to yeah. be me, so somebody is, is you. But yeah, so also, crazy. that quote, yeah, you're not right in the world. Yeah, which he isn't. Which and, so... and Lester's like, okay, you're right. You know, I guess my brother knows, so I guess it's time to stop hiding my true self and just uh, go <sighs> full on crazy and free my brother. Yeah, I like how you said in a different episode, too, that he has like really good survival skills, which I had not thought of oh, before yeah. when he like ran into the wall and you're like he has good survival skills. He's got an amazing survival instinct. Dude, he's like a cockroach. Right, right. Yeah, and he told... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like when he's like wrapping his face up in the gauze and everything, yeah. I was like, all right, that's very impressive. Do you know what Fine. scene I really liked that was one of those human-only scenes, actually, that um, was more interesting to me than, say, The Widow? Yeah. Uh, it was the neighbor saying like this is my time i have these kids i yeah. have these people like that are constantly asking for things i don't complain you know but at night when they go to sleep this is my time i completely related to that wait what was that this was I just, just before that the the parable scene it's the neighbor from across oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah because i think as a yeah. as a dude i i completely like have <laughs> i need this cave time i need this time yeah at, like oh, at night oh for sure i need that know? as a woman i don't know if it's a dude i think, thing. Every, I think, Although I think everybody a needs a little solitude in their man or woman cave 
Yeah. I need like two hours of alone time a night, so it's not timely. But I get but. crazy about it. Like if I don't get it, I'm, I like I need, I need it. Yeah, I'll like, just no, stay up later. I'll, I'll stay, stay up yeah. until it's like, two. Are you be- coming to bed? <laughs> Jesus, go to no. sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna play a computer game, and I don't want to get any shit about it. Yeah. But okay, no, but, I feel you. but actually, it reminds me legitimately one of my favorite scenes is actually the scene where Malvo is outside of Gus's apartment, listening in on the scanner, and that neighbor shows up again and like sends him away and says, "I'm neighborhood watch, and you can't be here." It's because it's that example of just basic human goodness keeping the devil away, essentially. Right. But and showing like this is what normal this is what normal people can do to help keep fighting the fight. Well, I don't do know because I don't know what happens next. But like to me, that's just like oh, you just provoked Malvo. Good job because now you just got on his radar and like but people Malvo don't even realize. Generally, doesn't go after good people. He really doesn't. He had plenty of opportunities to fuck up Gus over and over and over again. Malvo, but he's about. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's about to fuck him up. Maybe I'm wrong. Because it seems like as much as Malvo now. seems demonic and acts demonic, there are pl- enough indicators that Malvo like basically is human and fallible. Did and you ever candy. play Dungeons and Dragons? Um, I've never been a big D and D guy. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say he's lawful evil. He's not chaotic evil. That's that's his Malvo. Name. Yeah, Malvo. He's definitely lawful. Oh, evil. Whoa, I feel whoa. like Malvo would keep a deal. Like, if he said he was going to do something, he'd keep it. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Oh, I think he I would. think Malvo says whatever he needs to. No, to I think I think Anton Chigurh would. Yes, Anton, so Anton Chigurh would keep his promise. He's lawful evil. No, I, I think Malvo <laughs> gets off on, like, getting people to incriminate themselves more than, like I said before, he would go after an, an innocent person. No, I'd well, say, but I'd no, say, I'd no, say he's, cha- the, he's chaotic evil for sure. The like he, Stavros he sees thing. Himself, he sees himself as a force of chaos, like a Loki-type demon trickster. Not that he, not to say that he doesn't want to cause chaos, but I'm saying right. I, I feel like he follows him. I guess I'm going to put it I feel like he would, I think he has a moral code. I don't, I don't think so, because what about the Stavros thing? He was hired by Stavros, and then he turned on him. Yeah, but... To his own benefit. Yeah, yeah. But I still feel like he... I don't know. I mean, maybe he's chaotic evil. <laughs> <laughs> I love the moment where Gus uh, calls out to him as as, uh, as Frank Peterson is leaving the police station. And he says, Lord Malvo. And Lord Malvo just turns around and gives him this like creepy grin. It's, no, he had a creepy grin and then yeah. he turned around with a normal face. It's which like is great. It's like Gus had said like Rumpelstiltskin. Like I just like said your true name. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much all I had, by the way. That's about all for me, too. Do we have any other final thoughts on this before we get to our <laughs> That's final That's it. Segment? We just had a big fight. <laughs> oh, that, you call that a big fight? Have you ever no, listened to a, my podcast? I do listen to your podcast. I scream That's why at I was the excited guy. to have you. <laughs> I literally go, he, he said that uh, Ice Cube was better than Dr. Dre, and I think we screamed at each other for like 25 minutes. <laughs> I well, gotten... as a rapper? Just in sure, general. Wait, is this your latest episode? Like no, the- this was episodes ago. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm listening no, to No, I mean, as week. a rapper, I wasn't arguing about their rap skills. I just meant that he was arguing as an entity. He was like, Dr. Dre is just a shitty guy who makes bad headphones. I was like... What? Wow. I was like, how can you deny the legacy? <laughs> it's just... I mean, I guess they were both at NWA, but they have such completely different skill sets. Dr. Exactly. Dre is an amazing producer. Ice Cube's an amazing rapper and a mediocre actor. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how you compare them. Uh, they complement each other well. There is no be- there is no better or worse. There, ne- there it needs to yeah. be no com- competition. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. I'm gl- well, I'm glad we agree on that. So as long as we're let's go out on a on an agreeable note and do our final segment, uh, which actually things might get heated again for this final segment. I which hope is, so. Which is but called, I think JJ's gonna hate it. Let's see. Hold on. It's called raising air quizona. And for this, once again, I am bringing back the Amazon price game. 
you remember from a couple episodes ago. Okay. Uh, because if Stavros Mulis, the supermarket king, we're going to do a little bit of a kind of Price is Right style guessing game to close this thing out. Here's how this works. I have uh, there's a website called the Random Amazon Product Generator that will pull up a random Amazon product. Yeah. I will. Uh, I've put up a couple of these. I'm going to read you guys the descriptions of the product. Um, then one of you guys is going to guess the price of that product. The other one is going to say, I think the price is higher or lower. Okay. If you think if you are right about the price being higher or lower, then you get a point. Otherwise, what the other do we win? Gets a point. Um, bragging rights. Okay. Just pride. What does and this have to do with the Coen brothers? Um, because it's loosely, loosely inspired, inspired by uh, what, the, what we're talking about. And in this case, it's loosely inspired by... Oh, Stavros. Guys, okay. Yeah, Stavros. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. It all, it all sort of com- kind of makes sense. What's with the gavel? Um, because <laughs> I'm Judge JLZ, and this is like if I'm dismissing something, like making a point, then I get to like hit the gavel. It hasn't happened because we haven't had a point where I feel like I really won. <laughs> but it'll, it'll happen. It, it happens on lots of episodes where I'm just like case dismissed so okay so this will make sense let's start this out the first product we have is a large t-shirt 100 percent cotton that says i don't need google my wife knows everything (laughs) speaking of wives uh uh-huh so jackie how much do you think that costs it's just like a plain white t-shirt it is a black 100 percent cotton unisex large t-shirt that says, I don't need Google, my wife knows everything. Don't think about it too much. $14.99. <laughs> Jackie says $14.99. GJ, would you say it's higher or That's lower? A good guess. I guess I'll go lower. Mm. GJ yeah. says lower. The correct price was $9.99. Oh, I knew so, it was $9.99. So GJ has a point off the bat. Great. And it's uh, five points is the win. So, next thing we have. A 20-foot wacky waiver. Um, you've seen these things that they're like, uh, you know, at, ga- at gas stations, oh, car dealerships things. and stuff. God, I have no idea how much those things <laughs> <laughs> Um Blower not included. It's just the puppet. 20 foot tall. The blower is not included. Blower not included. Yeah. Oh, that changes it's just things. A, it's just mm-hmm. a big That's green. That's the expensive part. Just a big green nylon tube with a face on it. $19. GJ says $19. Higher. Jackie says higher. Jackie is right at $69. Fuck. I knew it was like $69. So expensive. I, my original stupid. guess was going to be $50, but still, that wasn't still, even Still enough. too low. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, know, I, I always wanted one of those. Because those are big. But I don't because... think it's worth $100, not to mention how much, how much the lower costs. It'd be probably quicker if we just... Okay, go ahead. No, I, oh, I, I'm, okay. I'm keeping tabs. He's really good it. at this. All right. Um, it's a coffee mug that has accounting swear words on it. Accounting? Accounting. Accounting. They're like, the. I guess the joke is like, these are swear words if you're an accountant. Like, Unexplained difference. Marketing spend. Oh. Pay overage. Uh-huh, yeah. Overage. Overage. That was a good one. Um, it's your guess. Oh, it's my guess. Yeah, oh, sorry, it's your my bad. Guess. Uh, I don't know. 9.99? Jackie says 9.99. I was going to say myself, so I'll say lower. It is actually seventeen ninety five, wow. which means Jackie gets the point. <laughs> okay, <laughs> really worth it. It's got to be a great book. I'm assuming. Oh my god, this is a stun gun taser uh, flashlight made Useful. of aluminum alloy metal. Also usable as self defense. You could hit somebody with it, and it's a stun gun. Sixty bucks. No, <laughs> seventy. Lower. 
Jackie's right again. It's thirty dollars for a stun gun. I guess stun, for a stun gun taser flashlight. I thought that was, was some three high tech shit. Guess Actually, not. Actually, I don't really buy anything, so I'm probably going <laughs> to. Yeah, true. I've never, this. I've never bought a stun gun. I don't know. Literally, I buy nothing. But Jackie's up. Jackie's up three points to one. If you Jackie, were, you're kicking oh. ass. If you were asking me about like T and crossword related shit, I would slay. <laughs> Well, here's this is a product we all use every day. I'm assuming it's a uh, it's a toilet bowl, American Standard, dual flush toilet bowl, white, only the bowl. Go, Jackie has to guess. Uh, <laughs> um, thinking too much. Seventy one ninety nine. Jackie says seventy one ninety nine. I go higher. Sixty five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty the good, best I've ever pretty done. Good, pretty good guess, Jackie. Yeah. Wow. Wait, Jackie is steamrolling. Jackie is one point away from the win on this. Oh man. Come on, DJ. I mean, you can if you just win for a few more times. Oh yeah. Okay. A Magic the Gathering trading card. This is a Goblin Rabble Master. It's, is a, it rare? it's a It's a rare. It's a red rare. It's a red rare. I don't know yep. what that means. Other goblins you control attack each turn if able. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you can put a one-one red goblin onto the battlefield. It's Some of those turn. cards I know go for a lot of money, but <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. Oh, I have to guess. Oh yeah, you have to guess. I'll see. <laughs> Fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Fifty dollars. No, I don't know. Is it really rare? How rare? Does it say if it's rare? It is. It is a rare. Just, just rare. Yes. Not extremely rare. Not a mythic okay, rare. Okay, just okay, a rare. Okay. Okay. Ten dollars. More. Sixteen dollars. <sighs> oh, you should have stuck with fifty. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I was at least I was close. I was in the ballpark. You were. You were. True. No, you were close. <laughs> That's, That's true. true. That's true. <laughs> well. This time it was this time last time Jackie got steamrolled. This time Jackie was the steamroller. Yeah. You can hit the gavel. Yeah, I guess so you can. Congratulatory. Yes, case dismissed. Jackie wins. Thank you, thank you. Congratulations to everybody. <laughs> um, that pretty much wraps up our show. Now that we've taken care of that, <laughs> GJ, thank you so much for coming by with your strongly held opinions. I yeah, loved it. It was awesome. Um, you're you should watch Fargo again because you're wrong. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> I think it's complete silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, other than that, do you besides being silent, do you have anything you'd like to plug or would like the good people of the internet to listen to you on oh, or just, check out? Yeah, just the the Bionic Broadcast dot com. So that's your podcast, Bionic Broadcast on mm-hmm. i i broadcast podcast. Tunes. What do you guys? What do you guys? So you guys talk about like we Ice talk Cube about Doctor Yeah, Drake? we do like, like a chat show. <laughs> yeah, we do pop culture stuff. I cool. we do like you know we talk about movies, films, television, moving pictures, cinema. Okay, we do. Um, <laughs> you know, I, we talk about sex a lot. I do a sex news uh, mm-hmm. segment. Uh, <laughs> Josh is in. Yeah. Uh, so now now I'm in science stuff. You know, you ever do the like science that. of sex? Or the All se- the time, or the, I do the sex of science. S- I do the science of sex <laughs> almost every episode. <laughs> that sounds yeah. awesome. Uh, anything else? No. And what you my, drinking? What you yeah, drinking? We talk about. Awesome. We drink a lot. We get drunk pretty much on every show, <laughs> for better or worse. Um, well, hopefully, uh, my the movie, the remake of Frank and Cindy, is uh, finally done, and it oh, hopefully will be coming out sometime in this year. And Ooh, exciting! Featuring Stavros Milos as uh, your stepfather. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cool! That's awesome. I remember when Frank and Cindy the documentary came out. Yeah, that was so cool. So there you go. That's all I got. Awesome, Jackie. Uh, 
I have nothing to plug. I don't know. It's, did you Instagram anything inter- interesting over the holidays? Now Probably that your Instagram not. is you out can, there? Everyone just go look at my Instagram. Full Metal Jackie, <laughs> periods between the words. All right. The end. You can follow me at Twitter at, at Radio TFB. Um, you might have noticed that I did a, a, a one a special JFIO oh, uh, yeah. one-off uh, with me and Christian Hand. We were talking about the best of music of 2014. That was really cool. So you can check that out at joshfiguresitout.podbean.com. You can find me on Twitter at Radio TFB. I just tweeted about how the new Kanye song would be way better if you just let Paul McCartney sing it. <laughs> um, for God's sakes, man. You have Paul McCartney on your track and all he's doing is playing <laughs> piano. You're a madman. Yep, you're Kanye. Um, and go to joshrichman.net to check out other stuff I do. That is it. Guys, we will be back in a couple weeks to talk about Fargo episodes 7 and 8. But next week... We are going to talk about the movie Unbroken, which oh, yeah. is in theaters now. That movie looks bad. Have you seen well, I'm it? not going to say we it. Have to we watch have to watch it. it. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm not going to say it looks great, but it was <laughs> technically, written, technically written by the Coen brothers, so we have to oh, watch it. it was? Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Doesn't, well, doesn't look good, but... Oh, we'll find know. out. You know what? We will we'll find out, and know. we will report back to you next <laughs> week. Until then, guys, peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love.